The Trumpster back in the news. I think we may have called this one, Nick. The FBI may be listening to Bizarro World. Everything is awesome again. You got Bitcoin? Everything is awesome. You're in the S&P? Everything is awesome. You own an ETF? It's okay, bro. Everything is awesome. Everything's going back up, baby. You have nothing to worry about. That's the spoiler alert. You can turn this off now. A lot to get to, as always. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This is Therapy Session, otherwise known as Bizarro World number 181. Mr. Hodge, how goes it? Don't turn it off just yet. That might have been facetious and or sarcastic. Uh, you should listen to the whole thing. <laughs> me, whatever word you use to describe me and sarcastic. <laughs> facetious me. <laughs> never, never. No, look, let's get right into it, Nick. We talked a little bit off air, just catching up uh, a bit on a personal note. And look, we've been championing lithium and uranium names here. I think the past month, month and a half, and I think we really started digging into the sector and some of our favorite picks and, and, and the reason why we thought, regardless of what happened in the broader indices, those sectors were going to be relatively safeguarded. And look, I don't think it's a coincidence that companies like, again, Patriot Battery Metals, which just made new 52-week highs, Lithium Americas, which was just 20 bucks two months ago, is back to the $30 range, a 50% move. Nevada Sunrise Gold has been up over 50, 60% in the last week and a half. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that the lithium names are ripping. I don't think it's a coincidence that Goldman Sachs, <laughs> that's funny, <laughs> Freudian slip there. <laughs> Goldman Sachs was uh, dead wrong on their lithium call. We, we talked about that a bit last week, but I want to get into the broader indices. Is this a bear trap? Is this a head fake? I think it's a head fake. I, it feels too easy. Everything isn't awesome. I'm looking at earnings. I'm looking at multiples. I'm looking at buybacks. I'm looking at debt levels. I'm looking at interest rates. And then, you know, we're sitting here cheering an 8% CPI print as if everything's hunky-dory now. How are you feeling? You know, I'm not a, I'm not a perma bear, Gerardo, but I am a, a, a pessimist by my own admission. And I've been writing for weeks that this was a, a bear market rally, that this was a, a bull trap. Uh, for a lot of reasons, and, and and maybe I'll go through a couple of them. Um, look, you have rises like this that um, can be 15, 20% before they turn themselves around. If you go back and look at 2008, you'll see that from like October to November, the stock market bounced 20% in a month and then proceeded to give all those gains back by the end of November inside a, a three-week span. And then it turned around and went up another 25% to January. Um, from from the early December 2008 to, to January 2009. And then it gave back all those gains again through March when the true bottom was in. So mm -hmm. you can have 20, 25% one-month rallies um, inside significant drawdowns that suck people in. It's also very interesting to me that nobody who called this crash, who told people to get out, are now saying that it was the bottom. And they, they weren't saying it was the bottom back in June, right? It's only the bottom after stocks go up for a month. So be careful who you listen to. There were some of us who sold tech stocks back in December and sold oil stocks before they started to go down. And we're telling you this the sell-off was coming. And so um, you, you still got to look at, at earnings, you know. Um, Tech earnings have been horrible. Uh, layoffs are mounting. You know, Nvidia guided down. Uh, Google Google layoffs and see the companies that that come up. I mean, it's 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 big multi billion dollar companies that are laying off thousands of people. 
Um, <laughs> and that's not even talking about the small mom and pop shops that, that don't make it into those headlines, right? Because if you look at like the small business sentiment survey from um, the past month, the small business owners have the worst sentiment they've ever had, even lower than, than 2008. And everyone's talking about the, you know, this is the Fed's going to, the Fed's going to pivot. The Fed's not going to continue doing uh, raising rates like they have been. I, I'm not so sure. And you've got, you know, Fed governors, whatever, Fed board members out saying, no, look, we're still going to rise here. And in um, August, you know, they'll be in their enclave later this month. They're going to Jackson Hole and uh, the topic of their forum is, you know, reevaluating constraints on the economy. I think they've got a lot of constraints to, to reevaluate and if people expect them to do the right thing. Why would you expect them to do the right thing in a recession? When they've been <laughs> doing the absolute wrong thing thus far, telling you that inflation wasn't transitory, wasn't transitory and that they weren't going to cause inflation, that there was no recession. And, and all of those things were the exact opposite of reality. And so, um, yeah, I continue to position defensively. Of course, there's always a bear market somewhere. You mentioned lithium, and, I, and I'm sure we'll talk about uranium. But um, I'd be careful about be, be going headlong back into broad-based equities and 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 certainly into crypto with Bitcoin here at 25%. I just um, closed out a, a short of, of, of Bitcoin here like before we recorded today. I, I do that with ETF, B-I-T-I, and um, I continue to be short the NASDAQ in my, in my personal account. So... Um, I don't think we're we're in for for sustained bull market, and I certainly don't think the bottom was in in June. So you know, my infantile brain thinks dumbass things while you're giving the smart analysis, right? And I, I couldn't help but thinking during that great, very factual, spot on analysis about you know head fakes and recessions and CPI print and Fed governors and Fed decisions and pivots and and all of that, which was great, by the way. I'm thinking. You can't fool me into thinking we're still not in a bear market because I saw a recession video on Pornhub the other day, which is the ultimate, <laughs> 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 which is the ultimate contrarian indicator. So well, I'm not, I'm not calling a top, but I'm not calling a bottom. Pun intended. <laughs> lots of, lots of inflated assets on that website, Gerardo. And tops and bottoms, but on to. Well, on hold to, on. You know, okay. you, even even the president tweeting tweeting this week that there's zero percent inflation in July, which I, I get it. I get why you can say there's zero percent inflation because on a month on a month over month basis it went from nine point one percent to eight and a half percent. But to tweet from the president's account that there's zero percent inflation is a uh, you know, one of my favorite words, disingenuous. I mean, you know, what disingenuous. You're doing. you know what you're doing, right? You've got uh, inflation at a 40 year high to tweet that there was zero percent inflation when American families are out there struggling, when small businesses are struggling. It's like, come on, guy. And then you've got the, the permeable puppets, you know, from from Bloomberg and other outlets who go out there and, and defend it. Right. Well, you know, he, he's tweeting the facts, you know, month over month, there was zero inflation. It's like, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit, man. Lap dances are still 20 bucks, though. <laughs> 40 years running, inflation proof. If I could buy uh, an ETF that was based on the price of lap dances, that would be the ultimate hedge. It would be the ultimate wealth preserver. It's stable. Well, you know, you make sure you still own a little gold. <laughs> Clearly, I'm in a silly mood today, everybody. So this might not be the most insightful of podcasts from me, but usually the insight comes from Nick anyway. Um, I want to get right into the Trumpster. There's so much irony in 
the FBI raiding him. We said last week, but you asked me if I thought he was going to run again. And I said, don't forget that he's still under investigation for a host of potential crimes that everybody is desensitized to now, right? And I also said, and you know, don't discount the fact that he's a overweight man in his 70s that isn't the most active, healthy, you know, diet dietitian person in the on the on the planet. And so when I look at all that and then I see the raid, the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, I thought it was a skit. I thought it was like an onion headline, as as many things that surround uh, the Trumpster uh, come off as. Right. I looked at it and then surreal. yeah, Surreal. And then I look and, and, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is actually like incredible news outlets. Right. Like The Guardian. And, and then I'm looking at it. And I'm like, OK, so this is really happening. But then I'm going through Twitter and everybody's got an opinion, right? And, and some of these opinions were hilarious. And I want to talk about the Republican reaction in, in a second. But I started looking and then I thought, okay, this one's got to be a skit because somebody said that he put out a statement and the statement included him saying, they even searched my safe. <laughs> I'm saying you're going, it's the fucking FBI. Like, what did you think they were going to do? Did you think they were going to come ask you for the password, ask you for the code and just tell you to have a nice day, bring you a milkshake and some fries? Like, I, I the, the the disconnect is is just insane to me. So first off, the irony. Let's get to the irony. So it, it turns out they're there because allegedly he may have taken some documents that he was not supposed to take. And allegedly they have asked for these documents back. And so, um, you know, he took them from the National Archives and Records um, uh, Library, which wasn't supposed to do. A lot of this stuff supposedly is classified. We'll find out soon enough, right? But supposedly he took them and he didn't want to give them back. So they said, okay, well, we're going to raid you. So the ironic part to me is that this now may actually be a felony if he did indeed do it and it's proven, which is clearly what they're trying to do. But the reason why this now may be a felony is what's hilarious to me in an ironic kind of way. I don't wish prison on anyone really other than, you know, sex offenders and violent assholes. And then, you know, we can get into the list of people. But I, 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 I don't want to see President Trump in prison for taking some records or falsifying some records. Much more serious crimes have been committed by many presidents. But it's funny that it's a felony because when Hillary Clinton was under investigation by the FBI, he made it a felony in hopes that if they found something on her, that's funny, she would go to to prison. And the irony is just rich. I am dying for a John Stewart or a Dave Chappelle or a Bill Burr or a Ricky Gervais, one of the brilliant minds of comedy, to take this all and package it beautifully for me and deliver it to me. And my television room upstairs because it's just gold. It's comedy gold. You can't make this stuff up. So thoughts on thoughts on the raid, thoughts on what's going on. I mean, this fourth turning stuff is <laughs> they're hitting yeah. gas on it. It's turning. I didn't, I didn't pay too close of attention. I tried to, as you know, sterilize myself from, <laughs> from some of that. So my thoughts would be, I think, more broad and not necessarily specific to the the case or the raid. You know, to me it's just um the inverse of the Hillary Clinton emails and Benghazi, right? I mean, you know, um, they attacked her for so long. Now you've got a Democrat in office, uh, in a, in a, an upcoming election, and and now, you know, it pivots to the other side. I think there's a lot of politicization going on there. And then, you know, my thoughts immediately go 
correct or incorrect to Epstein. It's like, you know, maybe we should raid some of these folks who were flying around raping little girls. Um, but the irony is is wonderful. I didn't know that he had changed the law to make it a felony. That is pretty rich. Um, but other than that, I, I, I got to be honest, I didn't read a single article about it. More, more irony. Again, more comedy gold. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is, you know, again, just uh, dumb as a, a, a box of balls, right? Like baseballs. Just a, a total nutcase. She tweets, defund the FBI immediately. She doesn't even know why they're there. She doesn't know if there's a body in Mar-a-Lago. Well, there is because Trump buried his ex-wife there for the tax break. You read that one, right? Oh, yeah. So there is a body there. I mean, that's not what they were there for, but you know, he's not getting in trouble for that one. That was just for the tax break. Um, I don't know why you guys listen to this guy. He buried his ex-wife on the, golf, the golf course, course to get a tax break, folks. This is the kind of man that you are dealing with, but to each their own. No judgments, right? No judgments at all. But she tweets, defund the FBI, and immediately all the Republican talking points start coming out, right? And it's, you know, we have to do something about the FBI. Defund the FBI. We need accountability. I'm like, what happened to the party of law and order that was, you know, I mean, if you didn't back the blue and you didn't, you know, support the FBI the, during the last administration um, prior to Trump, you were a traitor to your country. You were a traitor to your country. One raid, y'all don't even know what it's about yet. You don't know what's going to get turned up, what's going to be turned up, what they're going to get from it. And it's defund the FBI. This is coming from an elected official and not a local one, a national one. And so the hypocrisy, the comedy of it all, I can't wait for the skit. And again, I don't want like a Saturday Night Live skit. I want... I want a real good one. I, I wanted to get all packaged up by one of these brilliant minds and comedians that we have out there because it's absolutely hilarious to me. These are the same folks, Gerardo, who think that the Gadsden flag and the Thin Blue Line are the same thing. I mean, what do you expect? Oh, God, don't tread on me, America! <laughs> and it's total, complete politicization, as I say, you know. Um, they'll say anything, which is why you shouldn't uh, believe the things that come out of their mouths and why you shouldn't get caught up in, in partisan politics. I mean, like you say, one day it's back to blue, one day it's deep on them. I mean, what is it? It's whatever suits their narrative at the time. And I'm really not much on narratives. I'm going to try to, to discern what the, the, the centerline truth is. And, and, and I go back to the uh, economy, right? You know, you've got the Democratic side saying things are getting better, the inflation's getting better. And what are the Republicans saying? You know, inflation's eating away at the middle class and this and that. And so, um, and, and it was the exact opposite. You know, I, I was reading something from back in the 70s when, when the inflation was super high and, and, and Ford was in office, right? And back then you had the Democrats saying that, you know, inflation was killing the middle class and was rampant and this and that. So, you know, it's whatever suits them at the time, which is why you should do what suits you at the time. And, and that's try to find the truth or find someone who tunes out that noise and could deliver some of the truth to you. Did you see the video of President Biden where he comes out and, and Chuck Schumer is there and Jill Biden is there? Dr. Jill Biden is there um, and, and, and several other members of, of, of the Senate are there and and. Chuck Schumer comes over and he shakes the president's hand and he shakes Joe Biden's hand, Dr. Joe Biden's hand, and he shakes, you know, a couple of other people's hands. And then Joe looks at him and he's confused and like, are you going to shake my hand? <laughs> and everybody's looking at him like, he just shook your hand. He forgot that he had just shaken his hand. If you haven't seen it, just put it up on Twitter. It's five seconds. It's worth a good laugh. If anybody wants a good chuckle, forget the politics, whether you like the guy or not, just... 
It's a phenomenal laugh. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, let's get back to the market because I know you have a site uh, I, visit that you need to get to here soon. The dollar below 105, the dollar index below 105. Briefly, it's back above it now. Um, gold is holding well right around that $1,800 level. Copper has made a pretty strong move. It's, it's flirting with 370 a pound as we speak. We talked lithium. You know, I won't get too much into uranium because I, I kind of batch them together. They have incredible fundamentals. I think they're inflate, excuse me, inflation-proof sectors that are going to do very well. And if you can pick half a good stock, you're going to do phenomenally well with those two sectors. But I, I want to get your thoughts on copper. Um, head fake there? Do you, I mean, I know midterm and long-term, look, the fundamentals are excellent. I don't think it's a coincidence that there was a bid for what's a very low-grade asset, right, earlier this week. Um, from BHP for for an Australia from OZ Minerals. It's a $5.8 billion bid, folks. If anybody is unclear about how serious the potential copper deficit is, look no further than that BHP bid for $5.8 billion for what's a marginal asset at best. A big one, yes, but a marginally economic one at current prices. Clearly, BHP is forecasting much higher prices to be willing to allocate that much capital to a marginally economic asset at these price levels. Near term, is it head fake? Still kind of bearish trendish? Breaking uh, out? You know, does it I, matter? I honestly don't know. You asked me the same question last week, and yeah, you know, we, we record this on a Thursday, and then I typically edit over the weekend. And I, I told you last week that that you know copper could consolidate around three fifty. That it depended on um, you know how deep this recession got in the U.S. and how severe the China slowdown was, which there is a slowdown in China. They um, have put their numbers out as well. Um, but, you know, I was wrong. So I was I told you that I sold Rio Tinto. I did that at 60. You know, it went up to 62 bucks this week. I, I had some Aero Copper in my personal portfolio that I sold at 10 bucks. It went up over $11 this week. And so um, I got it wrong in the past seven days. And, and you know, that's sort of not the problem, but that's sort of what happens on a, on a weekly podcast, right? You know, you got to define your time frames. Are we talking about, you know, five trading days? Are we talking about a month? What is it? Um, I'm giving you a non-answer because the short term is tough to discern right now. I, I'll stick with my long-term, you know, bullish thesis on copper, which you know, I continue to hold a lot of copper developers, uh, producers even, and you know, like Ivanhoe's of the world I, I own and have in the foundational profits portfolio. And so um, I guess I'll take the last thing you said is, is that it doesn't matter, right? Uh, yep. Pick and choose your spots and, and, and you probably got time to, to get back in the arrows and the rios of the world if you want to and to, to stick with your long-term speculative positions, which I haven't sold and, um, you know, which I know you follow too. Um, I, I won't give it away, but there's one that's raising $14 million this week with uh, some major backers, um, uh, some major mining backers, uh, two major mining backers, and then a major hedge fund backer that are 70% of the company. And uh, and that stock is is up strong in the past week. So no, I'm, con- I'm content with copper. You know, if copper's at 350, if copper's at $4, it really doesn't make a difference to me. Agree, agree. Dollar drop. I keep. I think it's a head fake. I, yep, I it's the inverse of the market. So the dollar's coming down, just like the market's going up, right? Um, so it would be the same answer I gave you at the beginning of this podcast for the market. You know, uh, pull back in the dollar. The DXY to one hundred five is uh, the same as the, the stock market going up. You know, fifteen percent in the in the past month or two. It's a it's a head fake. I think you see both of those things reverse. The the broad based equities come back down, and the, the dollar regain strength. 
I like it. I, I said I didn't want to dig too much into uranium, but I did mention M&A in the copper space. I couldn't help but notice Amir and UEC, you know, duking it out with Denison to acquire UEX. I believe this is going to be the first of many, many bidding wars for quality assets in the uranium space. If you know anything about Denison or you know anything about UEC, Amir and that team there, you know, those are very well run companies by very intelligent people that look ahead and position well. And I think they clearly see the runway that the uranium price and the uranium space has. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that two very competent teams are going at it for what, what, what amounts to a very, very good asset that they both want to own. Um, look, folks, there's only a handful of quality companies out there with quality assets that make any kind of sense at 60 or $70 um, uranium, which is what's going to be required to incentivize uranium production to come back online. I've gone on the record and I'll, I'll hold myself to it in the, on saying that before this uranium bull cycle is over, we're going to see an overshoot to a 200 a pound spot price in the uranium space. Um, whether or not that happens, if I'm half right, if it just goes to 100 and stays there and that's the new floor, we're going to do phenomenally well. And we're already doing phenomenally well. I think you know, most of the uranium positions in the portfolio are up at least triple digits or, or pretty close or have been. But do you see continued M&A in the uranium space? Any thoughts on that specific battle? You, you've got to. And it's not just in the um, explorers and developers. Uh, look at the fuel cycle, I mean, which we haven't talked much about. Like, look at the, um, the LEUs of the world. And there's a company called Silex that has a, a laser process for um, you know, refining and, and purifying uranium into, into UF6 and the uh, components that are necessary to, to make the fuel rods. Those stocks have, have doubled in, in the past month here. And um, I was writing about it this week. Chemico owns half of that Silex company, um, uh, or at least uh, half the license for the, mm -hmm. for the laser technology that they have. And they have an option to buy um, 75%. And so there's many more deals that are going to happen. Uh, the other thing I was reading this week is, you know, there's only 11 in situ uranium processing plants in the entire United States of uh, America. And uh, we just got the passage of this Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which we should talk about. It might be ill-named, but as we've said, there's uh, some good things in the bill. You know, there's up to $30 billion in uh, yeah. nuclear tax credits in there, production tax credits based on the kilowatt hours that come out of uh, nuclear plants. And there's funding to, to keep nuclear plants alive. And so you mentioned the long runway. I mean, um, these nuclear plants are a long life, high cost assets. And um, we're turning back to them in a big way, not just here in the U.S. We've talked about Diablo Canyon on yeah. this podcast where the Democrats are on board. You've got Gavin Newsom, the liberal of liberals in California saying, you know, we've got to keep this thing going. And, and they're securing funding to do that. There was um, Six billion dollars for that in the in the infrastructure bill that passed last year, and as I just said, the, the Inflation Reduction Act is even more money for that. And then you look overseas, and it's sort of the same picture, right? You have, yep. um, I'll give you my Olaf joke because that's the snowman in um, the movie Frozen, and it's also Love Olaf. It's also the Chancellor of Germany's name's Olaf Scholz. <laughs> he, he's out there saying, "Look, we got to keep these nuclear plants on." You talk about a pivot. I mean, that's a pivot saying. Uh, we're going to freeze to death this winter if we don't keep these nuclear plants running. We still got three reactors up in Germany providing 6% of their electricity um, and they want to keep them running. I mean, you know, we say they're burning lignite and they're burning coal. Um, so someone say they should throw the solar panels in the fireplace. Um, and then, 
you look at Japan and they're saying the same thing. The prime minister there wants to you know, have nine reactors restarted this winter. Um, you know, everything that the uranium bulls have said for years is, is sort of culminating. And that's why you're seeing um, the equity prices being uh, buoyant and, and, and why the buyout wars are, are starting. I like it. I'll, I I know you have a site visit to get to, Nick, but I, I I have to ask you, and I know you probably haven't seen it because I'm the one that watches Solution all day. <laughs> Did you see the, 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 the one with Bill de Blasio and the tip line? No. The social, the social distancing tip lines? <laughs> so New York official Mayor de Blasio, Bill de Blasio, who I am no fan of, um, ordered New Yorkers... <laughs> To essentially snitch on each other for violating social distancing rules. So I remember talking up, about that a while ago. Yeah. So he set up this line and, and he said, hey, you guys just text NYC 311 if, if you see your neighbor, if you see your fellow citizen violating social distancing rules and we will enforce it. And he, he immediately, because it's New York, he started getting flooded with dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> And somebody sent a picture of a sign that says, eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so bad that they had to shut down the service temporarily because there were so many dick pics coming in. <laughs> and I think, look, it's a really, really, really funny act of civil disobedience. And, um, you know, it's First Amendment right, right? That's it's not it. violent. It's not abusive. It's not. What it, it is, what it is, man. It's like, that's it. It's all I got. No, it's amazing that they want you to snitch on your neighbor. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, you know, talking about this, you know, fourth turning and the encroachment on, on your rights that we probably won't get into today. But good for the New Yorkers for, for giving it back to them. I mean, we've seen that, uh, you know, essentially the mandates didn't work. And there's, you know, been reverberation against even, you know, I still see to this day, there's like people running on platforms. What was I reading the other day? Oh, this guy that won the the primary to to run for governor in Minnesota is running on like a of the vaccine didn't work platform, and so yeah, that stuff is um, still top of mind for many people, and a lot of people are still bitter about being locked in their houses and having their uh, businesses shut down. And um, anyway, it's just all very interesting to me. I still see a lot of people wearing masks, but um, teach their own, I suppose. I saw I saw somebody with a mask on. In her car by herself. Oh, I love those today. people. I love those people and the, and the people outside walking with masks on. I love them. I love the people that walk outside with masks on next to someone with no mask that then get in a vehicle together. <laughs> no judgments. It's funny to me. It's funny to me. I don't know what to tell you. Anyhow, Nick, anything else uh, that you want to get off your chest? What are you watching for this week uh, other than the usual? Any thoughts on the 10 year before you go? Oh. And, and, the volatil- and the volatility index. I always ask you about those two. Yep. Um, first conferences um, at the end of this month, August 30th and 31st, there's a silver symposium here in Spokane. If you happen to be traveling through the inland Northwest or you live in the area, uh, come on out. It's at the Northern Quest Casino. There's some companies there that uh, we have in our portfolios and then some companies I'm hoping to learn a bit more about. Uh, I'll be giving a talk as well. You know, it's funny, you know, who will be there is the economic ninja. And uh, my talk is about um, it's titled to the moon. Let's start with thirty dollars. That's the name of my talk. So we'll see if we ruffle any feathers at the at the silver symposium. And then um, we'll have is he a real ninja? 
Uh, I don't believe he is a, a certified ninja, no. Okay. Uh, after that, we'll be at Beaver Creek, not speaking, but we'll be there meeting with companies. And then the New Orleans Investment Conference coming up in October. So uh, we'll start putting links out to that stuff. Um, on the 10-year, uh, continues to break down. You know, it's had a couple of spiky days here, but uh, it has come down from its peak of a, of a month or two ago. And, and as you see, bond longer-term duration bonds starting to firm up. The, the curve, uh, which we haven't mentioned, is... Um, still inverted, like more inverted than it has been any, at any point so far this year, which I should have mentioned at the, the top of the podcast as another reason for bearishness. I mean, uh, the market is is pricing in more economic uh, rough patches ahead. It's it's I think minus uh, 0. 0.4 is the, is the inversion. It's worse than it was ahead of the dot com crash. Um, and it tells you that um, a couple of things, uh, you know, in, investors, the market expects a rougher economy ahead. They do affect, uh, expect the, the Fed to cut rates in the um, short term because, um, you know, they think the, that those rates in, in years two through 10 are going to be lower than, than, than the rates they can get on investing in a bond here for the next two years. And so um, that points back to the Fed saying that they can continue hiking um, and have massive layoffs or they could pivot and, and have high inflation. It's a, they back themselves into a, into a corner, really. And then um, volatility is another head fake. It's the VIX index has fallen down to around 20, um, if memory serves. And it's not going to stay there for long if, if what I was saying earlier comes true. So um, that's the other reason that stocks have been able to, well, to sort of play off of each other. But, you know, you get a VIX going from 25 or 30 down to 19 or 20 and, and people get real comfortable real fast. It's going to be interesting when everybody comes back inside and, and you know, gets gets back to the office and the kids back in school, which is coming up. Um, it's going to be really, really interesting in September. I think it's going to be profitable in September, October, November, December. But I think you're going to really have to know what you're doing or have someone that does because it's not going to keep being this rosy in the broader indices um, on a day to day basis for much longer. We'll see if that plays out or not. Um, anything else, Nick? Watching no, anything else? I'm getting dialed in. I got three tuitions to pay for this fall. The youngest is headed into into pre-K, so we got to make that moolah. A 19-year-old heads back <laughs> for a sophomore year of, of college, and uh, it's not getting cheaper. Everybody, inflation is everywhere, so it you know it just it, it, it is what it is. It's been a blast as always, Nick. This was episode 181 of Bizarro World. Have a great, great week. I want to wish my beautiful wife a happy, happy, happy birthday. I am literally the luckiest guy on the planet. She's not only, you know, my best friend and, and an amazing woman, but a phenomenal mother and friend to everybody. So just want to give a little birthday shout out to her and um, have a great week, everybody. Be nice to each other. Do something fun. Make some memories and uh, be safe out there. Well, I hope she's watching. Happy birthday. See ya. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.